Hello, and welcome to the Agape House of Worship weekly podcast. Through this podcast, we hope and pray that you will be equipped and empowered to live the life that God has planned for you. If you are blessed by this message and would like more information, please visit our website at www.agapehousenj.org. Thank you and God bless. I believe this word is very, very important, what I'm going to share. It's not a long sermon, but I think it's a very, very important message that can really change lives. And I trust that uh, you will be very attentive, you will listen to this word, and you will apply them to your life. Especially as we prepare to go into the new year, this is a very uh, uh, wonderful season for a lot of reasons. Uh, So we wind up the new year. I'm sure a lot of us are doing a personal recap how 2017 went. And you're probably at least making some plans for 2018. Uh, Sometimes many of us are filled with uh, regrets of missed opportunities uh, in the year that has just passed. Uh, Some of us are filled with excitement because a lot of things work together for you the way you planned. But I think there's something that is very important uh, as we prepare for the new year. New year is just to understand uh, the dynamics of our relationship with God. So I want to talk on something today that I tie to. It's a very simple title. I just tie to it, cooperating with God. Because I really believe that the heart of our Christian life is in that phrase. Our ability to understand that Christian living really is successful through an engaging life of cooperation with what God is doing in our lives. Uh, There are three kinds of methods that people use uh, in relating with God. Uh, you know, the, the English people call it uh, modus operandi, right? Uh, a style. And I've discovered there are three kinds of really Christians. There are the, the first kind of the people I call the doers, all right? They just go ahead and do and expect God to bless it. You know, they go ahead and do and they ask God, to bless. Uh, these are people who are very good at doing. And they, I mean, they have scriptures that back it up. You know, whatever I desire, God will, you know, God will provide. God will provide the desire of my needs. Uh, God will bless whatever I do. There are scriptures, these, I mean, they, they do as used to back up their worldview or their view of God. So they just go ahead and do whatever comes to their mind, they do, and they ask God to bless it. And that's how they see their relationship with God. The problem with that is a lot of the scriptures that people use, at best, they are taken out of context. It is not really how God intends to relate with us. So just being a doer uh, is presumptuous. In fact, it is exhausting. It is tasking. 
It is stressful and even dangerous. Uh, but a lot of believers fall into that category. They just go ahead and do. And they ask God to bless. Those kind of people, prayer is stressful. Prayer is like a warfare. Prayer is like a plea. Prayer is repetitive. There's a lot of frustration. There's a lot of exhaustion. It's very, their Christian life is very tasking because they are just doers. They go ahead and do. But on the other end of the spectrum are people who I call standbyers. All right? They stand by and just watch God do things, right? They watch God do things in their life. They say, God, just do it. You know, so they are kind of the opposite of doers. They stand by. And they also have scriptures to back it up. You know, they just, you know, God will just do it for me. They have all kinds of scriptures that they conjure to put it together. And they say, you know, God is going to be the one to fight the battle for me. I don't need to fight. Uh, I mean, we have those scriptures, put it together to form a worldview, and they become standbys. The problem with that is it is really a very, to be a standby is to be passive when it comes to relating with God. Uh, it's lazy, it's limiting, it's boring. And uh, it's full of a lot of missed opportunities. The third category is the category God is looking for. I, I came up with these words, by the way, so it's not, if you're trying to look, at, look for it in the Bible, you're not going to find it. All right? I call them the locksteppers. Uh, those are people who walk in lockstep with God. Those are people who have learned the art of cooperating with God. You know, and that is really what the Christian life is about. It is not running ahead of God and doing and just asking him to bless it. It is not standing by and ask God to do everything for us. No, it is walking in lockstep with God. Lockstep with God. It is cooperating with God finding out what he's doing and joining him to do it in our life. Praise the name of Jesus. Cooperating with God is a little nuanced. It's not as straightforward as you think, but it's adventurous. It is exciting. It is edgy. It involves trusting, but it is the life in the spirit. And it is really the key to the supernatural. It is a life of responding to God step by step that leads to those God moments in our lives that lead to us experiencing God's supernatural power. You see, people who are doers, they run on their own fuel. They run on their own steam. And that's why life becomes very, very hard. You can get ahead of God, and they do get ahead of God most times. I mean, once in a while, they do things by, by luck or by mercy that agrees with God, and they get results. 
But most times they just do things. And that's, you know, those are the people uh, James is referring to. And he says, some of you just say, I'm going to go, I'm going to, this, I'm going to go to this city, I'm going to move to this city, I'm going to move. And he said, look, what is your life? It's like a vapor. You know, it appears today, disappears tomorrow. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills. Right? So, James is encouraging us that we should not just be doers, just going ahead of God. But also, we cannot be standbyers. We'll just stand by and say, God, just do it for me. Do it for me. I don't, you don't need my involvement. You know, God doesn't want to be that. God wants our involvement. And that is why a successful Christian living, full of power, full of testimony, full of peace. You know, Jesus says, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost is the kingdom of God. So the kingdom life is a life of cooperating with God. Praise the name of Jesus. And that's what Jesus is talking about in John chapter 5. John chapter 5, where I omitted read beautifully for us. So they came to Jesus, and they said, you know, you were doing things on Sabbath, the Jewish leader, because you were not supposed to do things on Sabbath. That's the convention. That's the belief. That's the law. You're not supposed to do anything. Sabbath is reserved for just rest. Sabbath is reserved for just, you know, waiting and just do nothing. So they were mad at Jesus Christ because he was breaking the convention. He wasn't following the norm. And in his defense, Jesus said this, and he described the life in the spirit, the kingdom life. He said, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too, I am working. Look at what he said. Look, my father is working. The reason why I did something on the Sabbath is because my father is doing something. That is, look, I am just responding to what my father is doing. I am not, I'm not making things up. And I don't want to be a standby as either. I am responding to what my father is doing. So my father is always at And the good thing is, the father is always at work. We just have to find out what he's doing and join him to do it and walk in lockstep with him. In fact, at any moment, a believer that is walking in the spirit, you should be able to ask them, what is God doing in your life? Because God is always doing something. He's always walking. He's always teaching you something. He's always leading you somewhere. He's always doing something. The problem is, are you walking in lockstep with him? Or are you walking in the opposite direction? I'm praying that the Lord will help us to become cooperators with God in Jesus' name. Verse 18, Jesus said, for this reason, I mean, this is 
Oh, not Jesus said, no, no, this is the people now. For this reason, they try all the more to kill him. I mean, these people even got mad. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, was breaking the norm, right? He was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. So they pick up the, my father part, right? They just, they didn't, even, they didn't even understand what Jesus was trying to tell them, right? Have you met people that just, they just don't, they just want to be mad at you. All right, they just pick whatever they are mad at, whatever you said, the one statement or one, one word that gets them angry. But Jesus, in verse 19, gave them the answer, and he doubled down to try to explain what he's talking about. And I think Jesus is doing it for us. He's not doing it for them because they were not going to listen anyway. It doesn't matter what Jesus said. So Jesus gave them this answer, and he said, very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees the father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. So Jesus clarified that. He said, look, I can do nothing. If you think I can heal, if you think I can do all this, thing, no, 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 no. I can't. I'm responding. I can do only what I see the Father doing. And that presents another challenge which we're going to talk about. What do you see the Father doing? All right? So ability to see what the Father is doing is critical to living the supernatural life, to living the kingdom life. And that's why one of the, one of the most critical prayers a believer should pray is ability to see in the Spirit. And that's why I love Ephesians chapter 1, that God will open the eyes of our understanding, right? Very important. We always have to pray that God open my eyes of understanding. Let me see. Let me see what you're doing. Let me see what is going on. Let me be able to see because Jesus said it is what he sees the Father doing that he does. And whatever the Father does, the Son does. And that's why it appears the son is successful. And that is why you are going to be successful. Because whatever the father does, I just do. Now, it appears it's easy. It will appear this is so easy. Things are just working, you know. And that is why the kingdom living is a life of peace. Righteousness is peace is joy in the Holy Ghost. Because the kingdom living doesn't worry about what the Father is not doing. All right? It doesn't worry about what is not happening. He worries about what is happening. What the Father is doing, he or she does, and there is result. Praise the name of Jesus. Yeah. Verse 20 says, For the Father loves the Son. And that's a driving factor. The father loves the son and shows him all he does. And that's powerful. So the father wants to show us. Don't forget Jesus is our brother. And what God does for him, he does for us. Don't forget that we are heirs of the kingdom, right? And we are co-heirs or joint 
heirs with Christ. He's the author of our salvation. He's our blueprint. He's the one that we follow. He's the one that we emulate. Jesus is telling us his secret here so we can really live that life. Praise the name of Jesus. The Father loves the Son the same way he loves you. How many of us knows that the Father loves you? I want you to say, I am the disciple that the Father loves. It's important to know how much God loves us because I really believe that that is a very, it's a driving revelation for all revelation. It is the driving truth for all truth. You know, in fact, I, you know, the Lord gave me this a few weeks ago. I, I think I even posted it on Facebook that, you know, if you look at Peter, Peter was quick to talk about how much he loved God, right? How much he loved Jesus. You know, that's what Jesus, I love you, Jesus. I'm going to be there. I'm going to really, you know, there's nothing. There's nothing can separate me. I'm going to be there. If they arrest you, I'm going to go there. Peter was really, he had this powerful revelation of how much he loves Jesus. And But you know what happened to him? He failed woefully, right? When the robber meets the road, he was the first person to run. He ran and he crashed so much, Jesus had to come back to rescue him because he was so down, depressed. As a matter of fact, he went back to fishing. He went back, you know, because he saw, because he failed woefully. He was so disappointed at himself. He thought it was over. Jesus came back and rescued him after his resurrection. But there's another disciple that caught a revelation of how much Jesus loves him. You read John, he never talked about how he loved Jesus. He will always say the disciple that Jesus loves. The biggest revelation is how much he loves us. Because we can't love, we can only respond to his love. We can't. We don't have the capacity to love. The capacity to love can only come when we know how much he loves us. When we know how much he loves us, we respond to his love. So John said, I am the disciple that Jesus loves. At first you said, this guy is brushing. This guy is bragging. How come he goes around just saying the disciple that Jesus loves? This is the disciple that Jesus loves. This is the disciple Jesus loves. But at the end of the day, he was the only person there at the crucifixion of Jesus. Remember? John was the only disciple. And that's why he was the one that Jesus said, committed his mother. Jesus said, look at, your, look at your mother. And he was the disciple that took Jesus' mother home. So he was a guy that never bragged about how much he loved Jesus. He never told us, I love him. But he told us over and over how much Jesus I want you to just thank God because he loves you. I think for some of us, he needs to sink in. Just say, Lord, I thank you because you love me. Because I'm so dear to you. I'm important to you. You love me. You care for me. You are interested even in the intricate things going on in my life. 
seemingly insignificant thing, you are interested. Thank you, Lord. Thank you because you love me. Thank you because your love for me is enough. It's enough to carry me through. I have no love to give, but I know you love me. I only love you because you first loved me. I cannot initiate love, but, because I, but I can respond to your love. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Hallelujah. So for the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Now, the Father is interested in showing us what he's doing. You know, God is not hiding from us. He's not someone that wants to hide things from us. No, 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 no. No, he wants to show us what he's doing. There's a song that says he doesn't hide himself to tease us. That's not God. His love is so powerful that he wants to show us what he's doing. Yes, he will show him even greater works. The reason why we will do greater works is really because God is doing greater works, right? It's not because we can do greater works. And that's why it is actually easy. The harder is, the, the, the work is just seeing what God is doing, right? The work is, in fact, there's a scripture that says, you know, Jesus didn't heal any, everybody. He said there were so many lame in Israel, Jesus didn't heal all of them. And that's why Jesus got 100%. 100%. Because he healed what the Father is healing. How come Jesus comes to the pool of Bethesda? He only healed one person there. He just, I mean, there were people, I will imagine thousands of people there, right? He went to that guy. That was his moment. That was the one the Father is doing. The Father is healing him. Jesus saw what the Father is doing. Jesus goes there. Jesus heals him. Jesus goes away. Hallelujah. And he says, he will show him even greater works than this. He said, look, trust me. I'm even going to do greater work than you see me doing. Because the Lord is going to show me and I'm going to do it. So that you will be amazed. Hallelujah. And he went on to say, just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he's pleased to give. I'm going to go on. I'm going to, I'm going to say a few things from here. Now, so you discover that there are a few things now that really cooperating with God that is involved. It involves, number one, absolute trust in God. Absolute trust. What I see the Father do, I do. Right? Now, that means I trust the Father. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, he will show him even greater works than this. So that you will be amazed. Now, so it involves absolute trust in God. You have to know that he loves you. You can even never love you 
more than God loves you. Many of us think we love ourselves more than God does. And that's what drives disobedience. I mean, we think our plan is better. Oh, you know, and that's why many of us struggle. We struggle with surrenderness to God because we just think, you know what, well, God, if I surrender to you, I don't think it's going to work out that much. I don't think you care that much. I don't think your love, I can trust you that much. You know, what if he makes me a missionary? I don't want to surrender. What if he turns me into a poor person? Or what if he, you know, asks me to do this? I mean, that's lack of trust. Completely. Absolute trust in God is what cooperation with God is. Right? You have to be able to trust that this person he knows all. He loves you. He cares. He, and he's all-knowing, all-powerful. You see, the more we know him, the more we trust him, right? So it requires absolute trust in his plan. Absolute belief that his plan is bigger. Even if things aren't working now, I know he has a better plan. That's why I'm not down. That's why I'm not despair. That's why I'm not worn out. I am not worried. I am not, you know, losing my mind over what is going on because I know I have a father who loves me, who cares for me. Even if a dog gets shot, it's because there's a better one that is about to open. Hallelujah. It requires, cooperation with God requires absolute trust because he's guiding you through. It's guiding you through life. It's guiding you through things. It gets raw, but you know it's going to get you. It's going to take you. If you fall, you know you're not falling down. It's going to catch you. Absolute trust in God. It also requires sensitivity to him from what we see Jesus says now. He said, what I see the Father do, right, verse 19, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only... He can do only what he sees the Father doing. So it requires sensitivity to what the Father is doing. So what the Father is doing, as soon as I can know what he's doing, then I join him. Let me tell you, don't do anything unless you see the Father doing. Don't go on your own. Somebody will say, then that means I just wait. No. Jesus said the Father is always working. The Father is not lazy. All right? The Father is always, he said, my Father is always working. My, the Father is always doing something. So my question for you is, what is he doing? What is he teaching you? What area of your life is he working on? What is he teaching you? What is he doing around you? What is he doing in your life? God is dynamic. It's not static. God is personal. Yeah, he's both general, but he's personal. There's something he's doing in your life. Cooperate with him. Find it out. Open your heart. Release yourself. Tell him you are willing. Tell him you are ready. Tell him to open your eyes. Tell him you are willing to join him to do what he's doing in your life. 
Don't struggle with him. Many of us, you are just struggling. We are crying. We are just struggling. If you find yourself always struggling, it's because you are not cooperating with God. It's easy. Kingdom living is easy. It is cooperating with God. So sensitivity is very important. It requires yieldedness. They are all linked together. Trust, you are sensitive, then you are yielded. Trust drives everything. You have no reason to doubt God. You know he loves you. You know he cares for you. You know his plan for you, their good plan, right? To give you a future and hope. God is not evil. There is nothing dark about him. He's light. His plans for you, they are good. They are not evil. He has a great plan for you. Just trusting that, then being sensitive, watching, waiting. That's why the Bible says, watch and pray. Don't just pray. Sometimes prayer can even get you ahead of God. Don't just pray. Watch and join him and pray. Be yielded. Whatever he wants you to do, it might not make sense. You see, God does not always make sense. Sometimes when you think you've mastered how he does things, he just does something again. And we had a very simple experience, you know, a few months ago. I had somebody just came to my office. As soon as he walked into my office, he just... He started talking, I knew that this guy, there's something weird about him. I mean, he started bragging about who he is, and he's supposed to be, you know, as an apostle, you know, you know, he's bishop somewhere. I mean, just some of these very hollow, just talking about them. By the time I started asking questions, there's really nothing. I was just like this guy. I was done with the guy. I mean, after five minutes, I was just like, this is. But as he was talking, the Holy Spirit said, just, I felt a talk, give him, sow a seed into his life. I just said, that can't be God. Just, just, this, guy, this guy looks like a fraud. Everything about him is, I mean, you just know. And I felt that talk in my heart, that just sow a seed into his life. And I went on, the conversation went on. I said, this can be God. This is just my mind telling me something. So we ended the conversation. I didn't give him anything. I just moved on. I just. So I think it was a few days after. I was even at a conference. I mean, I moved on. Maybe a week after, a week or two after. I was at a conference just enjoying myself. When the Holy Spirit brought that to my heart again, I was convicted. The Holy Spirit just brought it and said, that was disobedient. I thought I knew how God works. I mean, I, I mean God cannot ask me to give a fraud money. I mean, the, the guy that is clear. I mean, God doesn't operate like that. That's what I thought. So I just said, God, you know, I repent. So I told God, you know, that amount you asked me to give him, I'm not going to spend it. So I'm just going to give it to somebody else. And I said, just show me somebody else to give to, and I'll give it to them. Uh, anyway, I said, you know, in the next few days, you just 
placed somebody in my heart, and I gave it to them. So yieldedness is very important because sometimes you think you have known God. You know, like the rich young ruler, right? I mean, what, what is there to obey? I've already obeyed all these things since I was a youth. Isn't that what he told Jesus? Jesus said, oh, what, what can I do? Jesus listed everything. He laughed. He said, then I'm fine. I've done all these things. Oh, Jesus said, there's one thing left. That I, go and sell everything you. You know, Jesus wanted to test, are you pliable? Are you malleable? You know, or are you hard-hearted? A lot of time we are hard-hearted. We're not pliable. We are not malleable. And he's looking for a yielded heart. That even if you're going this way, he asks you to turn, you are willing, you are able to do so because you trust. Praise the name of Jesus. And the last one is linked to everything. It's, it's risky, right? You know, cooperating with God is a risky business. Okay, I have 10 minutes. It's a risky business. You are not always sure. I wish I can tell you that you will just know. No, you will sense. And as I was preparing for this, I just felt the Lord wants me to really share that. He said, God is okay with mistake we make in an attempt to please him, in an attempt to cooperate with him. You see, when the driving factor in our heart is willingness to cooperate with God, you can never lose. Even error will be turned to blessing. Praise the name of Jesus. So it's either to err in the side of faith, in the side of obedience. All right? If you're going to err, just err in that. Don't think you know it and disobey. Praise the name of Jesus. I'm going to, there are two stories that I'm going to try to share with us in the Bible that kind of illustrate what I've been talking about and we're going to close. The first is found in 1 Samuel chapter 14, and I would like you to, to open. It's a long passage, 1 Samuel chapter 14. I'm going to start from verse 6. Just a classical Old Testament story. Uh, you know, that illustrates what happens when we just cooperate with God, right? When we walk in lockstep with him. And sometimes practically how it happens because you just have to sense what he's doing and join him to do it. Now, the Israelites were fighting with the Philistines. They are arch enemy. Number one enemy, they are the Philistines, right? Always fighting with the Philistines. So this time it was, you know, Jonah, I mean, Saul was the king, Jonathan was the son, and the battle was a drawn, it was drawn, all our battle has been going on for a while. Uh, now, Jonathan said to his young Hamobiara, this is Jonathan, now we saw son, come, let us go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the law will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. As you are going to discover, Jonathan sensed something here. It, this did not come out of nowhere. Jonathan sensed that I think God is up to something. All right? Even though we are just two people, I think God wants to do something miraculous. And there's always, thank God we have the Spirit of God, there's always something within us 
that sense what God is doing. Praise the name of Jesus. Verse 7, do all you want, in my, you have in mind, is Amobiara said. Go ahead, I am with you heart and soul. Jonathan said, come on then. We will cross over towards them and let them see us. If they say to us, wait, wait there until we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up. Because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. He said the Lord has given, right? That will be our sign that the Lord has really finished this battle. All right? So he threw a fleece. It's very common in the Old Testament. I don't think it's much applicable, fleece throwing. I think it's not as applicable in the New Testament, but very common. They didn't have the Holy Spirit inside of them. So sometimes they have to do a lot of these things. So, so both of them showed themselves to the Philistines' outpost. Look, said the Philistine. The Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they are hiding in. The, the men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan, Come to us, I will teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor Climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Jonathan climbed up using his hand and feet and his armor bearers right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about half an acre. Then panic struck the whole army, those in the camp and field and those in the outpost and raiding parties and the ground shook. You see God walking now. <laughs> it was a panic sent by God. I mean, let me just stop there. But it started by somebody sensing there is a God moment here. That God is doing something. It wasn't really their power. It looked like Jonathan did a mighty work. No. Jonathan saw God doing a mighty work. And he joined God to do the mighty work. And that is how our life is going to be when we respond to God. Praise the name of Jesus. People are going to think you are doing so great. You are going to say, no, I am just seeing what God is doing, and I'm walking with him. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. The second story I'm going to share is uh, the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 16. I'm going to read a few verses there. Acts chapter 16, verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept, I want you to notice this, by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. He was kept by the Holy Spirit. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia 
concluding that God has called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, Apostle Paul was, he always, you know, God called him to preach the gospel to the Gentile. He was ordained to do this. He was called to do this. He was prayed for. He had a supernatural encounter with God to go everywhere and preach. But still, he was sensitive to know that the Holy Spirit, all right, you really have to go to where God is already working. Now, he had a lot of results here because God was already working. He eventually went to Asia. You know, Asia eventually heard the word of God. But even in working for God, it is important to sense what God is doing. Now, we don't know how the Holy Spirit, but he said he was kept by the Holy Spirit. He sensed that, you know, this is not the right time. Now, his default is to go. But he was a sensitive man, right? He was kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in Asia. The Spirit of Jesus would not allow him to go to Mysia. And, after, you know, and eventually, he had a dream. And somebody from Macedonia was begging him to come. And he concluded. He put all those together and said, you know what? I think there's an opening in Macedonia. And he went to Macedonia. My prayer for you is as you go into the new year, you are going to be sensitive to what God is doing. You will not just be a doer who just goes ahead of God. It's stressful. It's dangerous. It's exhausting. You will not just be a standby, a lazy person who just say, God, God, do it for me. No, no, that's not what. But you will be a lockstepper. You'll be someone that is always willing, always ready. God, what are you doing now? What is he teaching you? And I think I want us to make, the, make it the language that we ask ourselves. What is God doing in your life? What are you responding to? What is God teaching you this moment? I think if you ask yourself that question constantly, you're likely, you're likely going to know what he's doing and you're going to join him. And you're going to have a lot of successes in the mighty name of Jesus. Let's bow down our heads and pray. Father, thank you. What a wonderful God you are. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, help us to be sensitive to you. Open our eyes of understanding. Teach us to respond. Teach us to decipher, to understand, to see what you're doing so we can join you to do it. Help us to learn how to just Go through the, the, the adventure. You know, the roller coaster that evolves sometimes in just walking and responding to you. But help us to trust you, understanding that your plan for us, they are good plans. They are wonderful plans. And eventually, we win in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.